Hey, and welcome to Talk Back, the podcast of the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. Um, I'm Emily Wright. I'm gathered here with two of our other pastors, Stacy Eichard and Kevin Ireland. And we are kicking off this year in this new podcast series on studying the book of Ephesians. And we are calling it New Year, New Way to Live. And every week we're going to take a different chapter and kind of take some different perspectives, uh, whether it be historical, critical, um, whether it be about the language or real life application um, to what's going on today. And so we begin with um, chapter one. So each of us are going to have a different insight, and we hope that this is insightful for the, the listener as well. So Stacy's going to start us off. Well, the first chapter starts like many uh, ancient uh, letters of the time with some greetings um, and then with a prayer. And Paul in particular has a prayer that is actually structured much like any other good Jewish prayer. And so there are many thanksgivings um, and then he moves into some petitions. And the thing that really jumps out to me um, is in the 18th verse, um, as it, it's it's Paul's first real petition. He's praying for the people who are going to read his book or his letter. He's praying for the churches. And he he has it. Uh, I think it's a fascinating kind of petition that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, um, enlightened uh, to understanding who God is and to the great hope that they have. Um, and it, that just is really kind of um, captured my imagination um, as I thought about uh, the the situation he was writing into people who didn't know the gospel very well, and some knew it better than others, um, and wanting the whole church, wanting every one of them in the whole church to, to just have a, a better and better understanding um, and the image of going from darkness to light. You know, later in the book, in the fourth chapter, he actually talks about Gentiles who don't know God as being darkened in their understanding. And here he's praying that those in the church will have more and more light. And it's it's interesting. It's not like conversion happens and everything's light, right? There, He's praying that there continues to be, for the eyes of the heart, a kind of more and more vision, better and better sight. Um, and what he wants them to be able to see, interestingly enough, is the great hope that they have. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder, was there a crisis of hope, you know, in the early church? I sometimes think I have a crisis of hope. I think we have it in our world today. I'm not sure it was that different in um, in his time. Um, but the idea that, that the gospel um, and understanding who God is was something that gradually was going to open the church and the people in the church to more hope more power, um, more wisdom um, is it's a it's a a lot more um, nuanced than I I think people think of when when they think of the early church. And something you said that was just uh, struck a new thought in my head was that this idea, like you said, he wanted everybody to think bigger, mm -hmm. opening up the perspective, mm -hmm. and I think that. That is one of the gifts of the Christian faith is that we commit to never being done mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and always, always trying to look for something new and within us and around us. 
Um, and, and, and I think it's a little contrary to culture that we don't arrive. Right. Right. We, we are a continual, it's a continual work. Well, in first Corinthians 13, Paul basically says, you know, we can only see dimly today, you know, and, and that sight is something that always needs to be enlightened. We always need better sight from the day we're born to the day we die. Uh, so you're right. We're not finished. You know, we're not finished. So Kevin, tell us about what struck out you. Well, it's interesting that you pulled out verse uh, 18 in the first chapter, because that is kind of when, when you say, well, where do we find this hope? Where do we get it? It is in this realization of this inheritance that we have received. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is a theme that's repeated three times in that first chapter. This is this is what Paul is trying to, I think, really impress upon these early readers and, and listeners is that you have already received this this gift, this inheritance, that it's already here. And in some ways, Ephesus takes a little bit of a turn in Paul's thinking, I think, in the in the way that he presents this, that it's not something that's going to come. It's something that's already come. Um, and it, you know, it's interesting also in the Greek in this, uh, there's actually two words that are translated both as inheritance. And the real crucial one, I, I think is, is I, I believe it's the first, where he first brings up this concept. And the word he uses there, and pardon me, my Greek isn't good enough to be able to tell you what that word, but but it's it's an idea of drawing of lots. It's, it's that you have been given something by chance. It's the same idea that's used uh, when Joshua is drawing lots to distribute the land to the, the tribes of Israel. It's the same idea of the, the lots that are cast at the foot of the cross. It is something also that's uh, presented in the past tense. It's not this, this inheritance is not something we get for a good life, a white life well lived or a reward sometime later on, but it's actually something that because it's in that aorist tense, it's something that's already happened. It's a fact. It's something just to be realized. And so your eyes are opened to this inheritance, to this fact of something that has already had happened, that, that we had inherited uh, this connection through Christ, uh, through the Holy Spirit. So this is this is where Paul's trying to get people to find this hope that that um, you know this is not something to wait for with bated breath, but in fact it is something to celebrate in the here and now, even in the midst of the doubt and the chaos and all the things that were going on in that first church and the things that are going on now. That that our job um, as followers of Christ is to witness to that inheritance that we all have received that we received before we were even born um, and, and to take joy in that. So that's well, what that would doing. matter for the Jewish and Gentile yes. in that church. Cause later in the, he'll, he'll talk about that inheritance is, is the same, whether you were part of God's people in the past or, or just, just became part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is so insightful about the, the root of that word it takes, it continues to just remind us that the agency is God's. Absolutely. The agency is God's. Mm -hmm. And a little uh, shout out for any of you uh, Bible nerds and geeks out there. Um, 
there's a really handy website at stepbible.org where you can go through and read how this is translated and then see how these different words uh, that we have as the same word in our English translations are actually different words. And, and anybody can do that. You don't have to go to seminary. You just go to stepbible.org. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I hope that throughout this series, we're able to drop resources so that if people want to do further study, they can. So thank you for that. Um, the verse that struck came out to me was verse 19, where Paul talks about, he says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of Christ's power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? And he uses this, this phrase, immeasurable greatness, a couple of times in the book, in the whole letter. And um, the only way I can I can understand this is by telling a story that this past week I was at a band concert at a high school and they have the three bands playing at different times. And they let us know that the first band was the lowest band. And at the end of their performance, which in my non-musical opinion was outstanding, they asked anybody in that lowest level of band to stand if they had made it to the region or area band. Mm. And like five students stood up. And these are people that didn't make the top band, but are still considered five of the best in our region. And then as every band went on, there was more and more people. And I thought this, we live in a culture, particularly where we are located in Austin, of thriving for greatness mm. that is measured constantly being measured by our children. Our, our children are being measured to be great, that you could be a top level performer and still not make the top team, the top band. Mm -hmm. And what Paul gets to is the greatness that we are, we are tapping into this power, this greatness. It is, it's, it's without measure. It, it's, it, in fact, it's already it's already to the fullest it, and it can't ever be less and it can't ever be more. It just is. It's, it's without measure. It, it, it this is not a competition. And I, I love that. Like, this is not, again, the agency is in God, in Christ. It is not in anything that we can will ourselves up to. And then you see in chapter two, when he starts to talk about grace and he just keeps reminding them, like, for it is by grace, you have been saved. It is by grace. You have been saved. You cannot, you cannot succeed in the Christian faith because Christ is not concerned about your success as a Christian. Christ wants you just to be in relationship. Um, and I, I think that this is a word that I know my kids need to hear. A lot of, of young people need to hear is, you know, the world is going to continue to provide opportunities to measure you by the things you do. How much money is in your account? And then you get, you know, as you get older, it's like you get measured by how well your body is holding up or not, <laughs> how many surgeries you have to have or not. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, this is Christ is calling us to a totally, totally different way. And I believe that all those things that we struggle with, there was things very similar in the early church that they were getting measured by. There was mm -hmm. so much striation of status right? and uh, within with whether you were a Greek or a Jew, whether you were a Roman citizen or not. Right. Um, and so I think that that, yeah, I think that this is just a, a challenge. And um, what we want to do every week, y'all, is we want to leave you with some thought 
helpful questions, some questions for discussion if you're doing this in a group, but also just for your own personal journey. And so we want you to think about where do you need new sight this year, new eyes, as, as Stacy referenced, that we our eyes of our heart would be opened, um, maybe a new perspective uh, in your career or maybe towards someone in your family. And then another thing to consider is, you know, um, in the areas that might be darker in our lives, the areas that might be darker in our church. And I'm not just talking about the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, but the whole church. Where might we need some new eyes to uh, to illumine those spaces for us? Um, do you all have anything you want to close out with? Anything else you want to say? Well, as you were speaking, I was really struck by so that that what what is that greatness and what is this thing that Paul is talking about in that um, phrase? And I I get pulled back. And when I was thinking about this this morning, I got really pulled. You know, I, I told you I was going to talk about inheritance, but uh, that the verse ten about how in the fullness of time all things come together through Christ. Christ. This is this is the thing. I mean that Paul is. It's 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 revolutionary in its thinking that you know we have a tendency to always think of heaven and earth as a separate thing, uh, that the world and God are somehow separated by this enormous divide that we can't ever get past. But what he's saying really is that in the fullness of time, Christ brings these two things together, brings heaven and earth together. Um, th this is the immeasurableness, and that's why you know regardless of our station or in in life or our situation we're all united into this fullness in christ into this this god coming into the world in such a profound way and i think that is the the really revolutionary message that is often quite frankly missed by the, the traditions of the church when we have a tendency to think of heaven as something beyond as something in the hereafter and not something that is here now and so um I think as we go on to to kind of think about how Christ is bringing heaven into the world, even in our midst, in our church, in our lives, in our families right now. Which is why the petition to have eyes of the heart illumined is more than just, um, you know, lighting up the darkness, which is nothing wrong with that. It really is a kind of wisdom that's counterculture, counterintuitive, um, and, and to be able to see earth and heaven coming together to be able to see or experience that fullness of Christ in all things. Um, you know, that's going to be a lifetime journey of um, the eyes of the heart being opened. Um, it's a beautiful way to start this, this letter, isn't it? Beautiful prayer. Well, we hope you enjoyed this time and uh, hope to, that you will continue to listen and watch and pass it on to friends. Peace.